This is the Pretty Deadly Self-Defense Podcast. I'm Susie Collick, the founder of Pretty Deadly Self-Defense. And I'm Kate Lismer, a writer, traveler, mother, and expat. As a woman who lives in a big city and likes to travel, I'm very curious about self-defense. I've never had any training, so I have a lot of questions. And I have a lot of answers. We figured you probably have similar questions too. And so we thought it'd be a great idea to share this conversation and put it in a podcast. So welcome to the Pretty Deadly Self-Defense Podcast. So I don't know if our listeners uh, know know this or picked up on it, but we do have like a friendship outside of our co-hosting relationship. And uh, together we both shared different stories about our, our trauma, our family relationships, like our struggles with men and even in um, narcissistic abusive relationships. And something that you said to me recently, I found really helpful, which was that when you are a target of some kind of abuse or attack, um, that it's not something to take personally. And it's something I had never thought about before, because in my life, I've, I've always taken it personally, you know, and part of that is wondering why me, what could I have done differently? Um, you know, and it's a self-protective question because I'm trying to make sure this doesn't happen again, but this idea and the example you gave is like, this person was knocking on doors, Mm -hmm. you know, and you were the one who answered. And on the one hand that takes away this feeling of being, special or, you know, he really loved me, this and that, you know, but also kind of understanding this reality that um, I wasn't special, that that it could have been anybody, that it wasn't me that caused it. Right. Right. That Which is what I think is the most important thing. You know, it's, you are special. <laughs> We're all special. We're just not special to those people. Right. That's all. It's a... Uh, yeah, I mean, through my own experiences and and research and things that I've learned from speaking with other people, things that I've lived myself, um, what I've learned about abusive people, and I'm now speaking about um, more kind of that narcissistic relationship as opposed to a fully physically violent relationship, although it's all on the same spectrum. But, you know, we all do what is called adaptive behaviors. We've all learned these behaviors to help us survive in the world. And we learn them as children, um, depending on how we're raised, the kind of care we're given. And we develop tools um, to help supplement when we need it. Um, just to help survive when we need it, Um, and of course to help us advance and progress and get the things that we need out of life. And sometimes those tools stay with us a little longer than they should. The idea is to always evolve to a new set of tools and a new set of adaptive behaviors as you progress in emotional maturity. But again, sometimes that doesn't happen. People who are, are you know, narcissistic and ab- abusively narcissistic or with a narcissistic personality disorder also have adaptive behaviors, and that's the adaptive behavior. To me, the way that I started to look at it was um, 
this is just how this person has to, this is how they know how to survive in the world. You know, and it, which for me, when I started thinking of things that way, it made it easier to get past the personal aspect of it. You know, instead of why can't they see? Why won't they do this? Why da 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 da? And then realize that, and and how could they? You know, instead of this is how this person knows how to survive. That's it, and that it's not personal. And so the when I talk to people, especially who have come from um, emotionally abusive relationships, which is almost always involving a narcissist, is you know how did I get into this situation? You know, what did I project? What did I, what did this person see in me? And usually the narcissist or the abuser, whether they're narcissistic or not, all abusers will tell their victims, you're special. That's why I'm doing this, which is a creepy thing to say, but it is one of the tools that they use. So it's a, it's a well-known grooming tool for pedophiles. Um, but it just, it hits every single spectrum of, abuser, including President Trump, by the way, because what is he telling all his forgotten people? Mm -hmm. They're special, right? It's creepy as hell. So also, I always wonder how he, like, if they're forgotten, how did he remember them? <laughs> so <laughs> that's another discussion. The... <clears throat> it, 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 what they're doing at all times, as I said to you, you know, is knocking on doors because they need to find someone to participate in kind of like a role playing game. We all do, really. They need the specific role playing game. And they're going to knock on doors. Who's going to answer the door? They're going to use all the tools in their arsenal to get into your house. You know, it's kind of like the three little pigs. One day you opened a door. That's it. You opened the door because you heard the doorbell ring. You opened the door because you wanted some fresh air and that person happened to be standing on the doorstep. You opened the door because you felt like, you know, oh, hey, I'm ready to meet new people. It, the, we opened the door because we opened the door, you know, because that's what doors are for. They open and they close. Sometimes we open the door, we see somebody standing there like, oh, whoops, nope, and close the door. Wrong house. Sometimes we open the door and say, sure, I can get you a glass of water. And now we've got them in our house and we realize, ooh, that was a mistake. I need to get you out. And then we get them out. And sometimes we give them a glass of water and we get sucked into a really good story and we think we're making a really good connection. And we've given away a little bit of information, just a little bit, enough for them to find that link, that not link, but sort of that chink in the armor that we all carry to help protect ourselves. And that's how they get in. Yeah, it's like ants. It's like an ant invasion. <laughs> <laughs> There's one way to look at it. It can be really hurtful though. I mean, so can ants, I guess. But it's a, it's, it's, yeah, it's really not personal because if you don't answer that door, they're going to go to the next house and knock on that door. They're just going to keep knocking on doors until somebody opens. Usually they need more than one house. So they're knocking on doors in your neighborhood. They're knocking on doors in another neighborhood across town so that you never find out about it. They've got doors all over the place. And then, well, the other thing you said to me that was really helpful was regarding um, 
because we were just talking about defense mechanisms and mm-hmm. how these people, you know, understanding that these people are behaving in the world as a response to something um, maybe traumatic that they endured in their, this is their way of being in the world to protect themselves. And once you are able to understand and realize that it's that the way they are is actually hurting you, that like you then get to make that choice of like not having that abusive person in your life. And um, I just wanted to say that out loud because that was something that really helped me was just knowing, okay, like one, this isn't personal. And now I can extricate myself. Like I can be the one to say like, no, this is not tolerable anymore and not feel like I have to go back and keep analyzing what did I do wrong? How am I, you know, how did I get sucked into this? Which is a conversation that we've had. Mm-hmm. Um, and feeling like I have a target on my back, you know, for this kind of thing. Um, because I've always looked at myself as very um, strong and independent. And um, I don't know, like, like worldly, you know, like that I have some sense of how people are. And I think that's why I was so caught off guard is because... I thought I could read people, you know? And so it's like to come out of an abusive relationship and go, oh, like, how did I get myself, you know, how did I get myself into this? Like, how did this happen? And how did I continue to experience this? Well, I mean, I think I, most people in those situations, once they get out, ask themselves that, how did I let this happen to myself? You know, but again, it's, it's like, you know, a, an assault from a stranger, you know, it's, it's, it's a random thing in many ways. And yeah, it isn't personal because if it wasn't you, it would be someone else. You literally are, are interchangeable. And that makes us feel like, well, then, I mean, do I even matter as a human being? You know, if, if I'm interchangeable to this situation, how many other situations am I interchangeable to in my own life? What do I mean to my own life? These are all really important existential questions that, you know, we hopefully only ask ourselves in spaces of safety because they're also dangerous existential questions. But it, they're normal to ask, you know, especially in this situation. And, to accept the fact that, yeah, it's not me. There's nothing I could have done differently, you know, except not answer the door that day. And that was a random act in itself. You know, how am I supposed to know that the person on the other side of that door is a psycho? You know, doors are made to be open. Of course, you know, we have peepholes, but... But you we, don't know. And sometimes it, it can we take... We don't know. It can take... um months, even years, you know, and it takes to, right. to understand what's going on. But meanwhile, those people do know, they do know who they are and they do know what they need to get out of you. And they also need to know that you need to stay. They need you to stay. So they will start their campaign, which is a, basically a campaign of brainwashing, you know, to start breaking you down. And a lot of the tactics that abusers use to brainwash people into staying in those relationships are the exact same tactics that are used by like, you know, governments to brainwash people and to torture people. So they're not, they're not actually even that unique to the abusers. They're just sort of tried and true is one way to look at it. So they, they, they do know what they're doing 
Um, and they know what it is that they need out of you and they know that they need you to stay. And so their first thing is to make sure that you're going to stay, which is where a form of brainwashing comes in. You know, once they feel that you're really going to stay, that's usually when they start, you know, the abuse in earnest, which can continue as emotional abuse or escalate to uh, violent abuse. Mm-hmm. You know, it, they all pretty much follow the same pattern. And they mm-hmm. not only do they follow the same pattern, they all pretty much follow the same script, mm-hmm. which is weird to me, but they do. Yeah, I mean, I think I told you this, but when I saw this, um, it was like this wheel of like the cycles of abuse, basically. And then mm-hmm. like in the wheel there, they describe like, Here's the different kinds of abuse, Mm -hmm. but the way that it manifests in the cycle, it's like it might manifest in a different act, right? But it's the same cycle of like um, this like dormant period and then there's like a rising escalation or there might be like more fighting and then there's like the the outburst or this sort of like breaking Mm -hmm. point and then it goes back into this other phase where, you know, there's this... That's where there's like the makeup period. Remorse and honeymoon. Yes, exactly. Like, mm-hmm. no, this is never going to happen again. And anyway, when I saw that wheel, it explained everything. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, this is why I've stayed so long. Actually, because these dormant periods would last long enough for me to believe it was different. You know, like I would get, but I realized when I saw that circle, I was like, oh, like this is what it is to right. live in this because I kept thinking, yeah, that it would change. And then I would end up reliving the exact same thing over and over until I saw this, this pattern. Right. There's a, um, a Ted talk that I think I posted on the pretty deadly Facebook page at some point by, um, this woman, I'm trying to get her name quickly, uh, who, is now running a nonprofit organization to help support victims of domestic violence. And she also spoke about this, um, this cycle of abuse. And she made a really, really good point, which is why I posted her TED talk. She said, you know, the, the question is always, well, why did she stay? You know, or you may be asking yourself, why did I stay? And this is where she talks about the cycle of abuse. And she says, I'll tell you why you stay because in that honeymoon period, the remorse, and honeymoon is when you get your power back. And it's it turns out to be a false power, but you think it's a full power. You know, mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. You have the power to forgive. You have the choice. You can forgive and feel like you're in control, or you cannot forgive and feel like you're in control. But in that moment, you have all your power back and all your control and choice. And it's so That's true. what you think at any rate. Yeah, and it feels very authentic. I mean, when I look back, it feels like everything's, everything's normal. Everything's, um, you know, I listened to another podcast about this kind of abuse and the guy said, things aren't good. You're just not being threatened at the moment. You know, that like, it's not normal and it's not like positive, but it feels that way because of the alternative, which is feeling under threat. Right. Right. Yeah, it's, it's so the woman who gave the talk is named Mata Tsagya Papadaku. <laughs> of, spell that. <laughs> yes, of Win Hellas is her organization's name. And I want to give her her due because, because that point was so beautifully made. Um, 
And it's an important point, you know, and yes, we, you get so used to kind of survival mode that that dormant period is, feels almost like heaven, you know, like, oh, thank God, you know, so it's, you know, and that, and again, this is, this is, these are also torture tactics that are used by governments, you know, and brainwashing tactics that are used by cults and governments. So it's, it's, as I said, they're tried and true, you know, which I think is an interesting reflection on cults and governments, by the way. I mean, we all know that cults are bad, but we still seem to think that governments are good. Not realizing that if they're using these same tactics, which they are always, you know, and, and not just people that they're torturing, but on the rest of us. I mean, this is capitalism. This is everything is structured basically on this narcissistic personality disorder model of survival. That's so terrifying, but it's I know, it's but really it's true. true. Look who's president of, you know, America. Mm. Well, this could be another episode, but the other thing that you posted that I loved was this um, French article about uh, why the women leaders have been so successful in like in in leading through the coronavirus and how they're able to use the not innate skills, but the sort of socialized skills of women to mm-hmm. help lead through a crisis in the ways that men haven't been able to. Right. It's a, it's, that's been a really wonderful thing to read because I'm seeing more and more of these things. I mean, this is a lot of what Pretty Deadly is based on as well. You know, I've t- talked about this in a previous episode that in my martial arts training, um, you know, we would do these you know, ninja games of like, you know, you're surrounded by 10 samurai. How do you get out of it? Or you're stuck in a room with no exits. What do you use for a weapon? Or, you know, or, or, and how do you escape? Or, you know, it's shin, shin, shin gone to see what is not shown and hear what is not spoken. And realizing over time that these are actually things that women always do. You know, you're surrounded by 10 samurai. You're cornered in the bar by like five gross guys who won't leave you alone. You know how to get out of it. You know, give a false phone number. I'm married. I have a boyfriend. I have a girlfriend. Whatever it is, you know, that's strategic thinking. You know, situational awareness. You're stuck in a room. You know, you're stuck on a train. You know, Friday night, everybody's drunk. Are they on drugs or are they drunk? Are they happy? Are they violent? Is it safe? You know, situational awareness. These are things that shin, 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 gone. How to see what is not shown and how to hear what is not spoken is intuition. These are things that women have been honing for all of womanhood, basically, as ways to survive. So my feeling is if we can, we tend to use all those strategies just to keep ourselves physically and emotionally safe. But if we learn other tools to keep ourselves physically safe, we can take these really amazing skills and apply those to other areas of our life. There's a woman named Yasmin Guerin, I hope I'm pronouncing her name correctly, who runs a series of workshops called Women the Workshop, um, which is about networking for women um, and negotiating for women. And she uses the exact same thing. You know, we use all of these skills, you know, in sort of like womenly functions but we can use them for business. We're already really good at them. And the same with the, you know, world leaders, these, you know, feminine, more holistic and networked approaches 
to life, to family, to community, you know, to surviving a pandemic is in, in, you know, are things that I'm so happy to see being highlighted. You know, we, these are valid and viable skills that can be applied to real life situations and shouldn't be relegated only to not being raped. You know, that's why it's good to use physical self-defense for not being raped and take those incredible skills and build a better world. Pretty Deadly Self-Defense is a self-defense program created by a 20-year martial arts veteran and violent crime survivor, Susie Collin, based in Berlin, Germany. You can learn more about Susie and the Pretty Deadly Self-Defense program at prettydeadlyselfdefense.com.